the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But real blindness, that's got to be difficult. Can you imagine not seeing the face of a loved one? The brilliance of a California sunset or the blossoms of spring in New England? Or being locked up in a room of darkness your whole life? Colored blindness is nothing compared to that challenge. Although I would say this, as bad as physical blindness is, Spiritual blindness is worse yet. The Bible talks about spiritual blindness, of seeing only the seen and not the unseen, of being confronted with evidence concerning God's existence, God's love, God's power, God's grace, and His Son, Jesus Christ.
and more. Echoes of Moses in the wilderness, echoes of God's provision of manna over 40 years, reminding us that a greater than Moses is here, reminding us that Jesus is God and can provide in the wilderness. We saw in verse 4 that that feeding took place in the wilderness. So here they have just either heard or witnessed this further evidence of Jesus' deity and divinity. That should be clear. That should be convincing. If you get beyond that miracle, you've had miracles where He has healed the sick, where He has exercised demons, where He has shown authority over nature. I mean, exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C, exhibit D. When we've been prodded by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, We've seen the Lord Jesus Christ in transformed lives all around us. We've heard the thundering of His law and His Word preached. And God has spoken into our lives. And we have evidence after evidence that He's calling us to Himself. Enough! It's time to decide, says Jesus. When you receive an invitation, there are three possible answers, yes, no, and maybe. But maybe can't stand forever, especially when the person we're responding to is Jesus. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy opens to Mark chapter 8 to show there comes a time when each of us must make a decision, and the time is now. If you missed any of the previous messages in the Essential Jesus series, you'll find them all at ktt.org. Let's get started with today's message. For those of you that don't know, I'm green and red colorblind. I do want to put you at ease. I can't read traffic lights. But I am colorblind in reds and greens. That doesn't mean that I live in a world of black and white, by the way. It just means that it's harder for me to distinguish between shades of red and brown and green. Sometimes those colors seem a little muddled and murky to me. And it's really not that big of a deal. Maybe once in a while I'll come down, you know, look at me and say, that outfit doesn't work, get back upstairs. I picked the wrong colors. It's all our color combos all off. I remember when I was a young apprentice at Short Brothers in Belfast, an aerospace engineering company, I was training to see whether I'd be a mechanical engineer, an electrical engineer, a machinist. And I did a test, if you've done this before, where you look at the book with all the colors and you're meant to say the numbers. And I got about two pages in and I was kind of blind as a bat when it came to colors. And so they said, well, you can be a mechanical engineer, you can be a machinist, but you're not going to wire the aircraft. <laughs> we don't want the undercarriage going up when it's meant to be coming down. Makes sense. So color blindness is a bit of an issue for me and not much of an issue. It's not that serious. Although I do look forward to a new body and complete and perfect eyesight. But real blindness, that's got to be difficult. Can you imagine not seeing the face of a loved one? The brilliance of a California sunset or the blossoms of spring in New England? 
of being locked up in a room of darkness your whole life? Color blindness is nothing compared to that challenge. Although I would say this, as bad as physical blindness is, spiritual blindness is worse yet. The Bible talks about spiritual blindness, of seeing only the seen and not the unseen of being confronted with evidence concerning God's existence, God's love, God's power, God's grace, and His Son, Jesus Christ, and looking right past those challenges. Helen Keller, the blind poet, said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And so as we come to Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through to 26, We're going to see three stories that Mark puts together, and the unifying theme is blindness. And Mark wants to warn us of the danger of staying spiritually blind. See, you and I are born spiritually blind. We don't understand the things of God. Our minds are darkened. We must have our eyes open. There must be a conversion. We must be, to use the words of Jesus Christ, born again, given new life, new sight. So you and I are born spiritually blind, but thank God because of His grace and love, that blindness need only be temporary. You and I can come to experience God's love. We can be born again. We can be given new life, and we can see the world as God sees it. Where the sky is a softer blue, and the grass is a sweeter green, and our eyes see what Christless eyes cannot see. But if we're not careful, and we rebel against God's Word, and we reject the gospel We can remain permanently blind. And Jesus talks about that place beyond this life, hell itself. And it's described as a place of what? Utter darkness. Utter darkness. So Mark wants to challenge us about these things. Now there's three things I want us to see as we look at the Pharisees in verses 11 through 13. We look at the disciples, verses 14 through 21. And we look at the man in Bethsaida in verses 22 to verse 26. We're going to see a permanent blindness. We're going to see a partial blindness. We're going to see a physical blindness. So let's jump right in. The first story is about a permanent blindness as it relates to the Pharisees. In these verses, we've got another head-on collision with Jesus and the religious leaders. Look at verse 11. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him. They're arguing. They're in Jesus' face with an accusing finger. And they're seeking another sign. When one another sign, they want them to jump through another hoop. I mean, they've had two years of signs, but another one. And Mark is letting us know that their intent is evil. Their motives are impure. This isn't an honest conversation. This isn't an honest searching for truth. They've basically already made their mind up. We've already seen back in Mark 3, Jesus warned them, you guys are on the precipice. You keep this up. You keep rejecting the light. You keep applying the work of the Spirit to the work of Satan, and there comes a point where you'll cross a line, the lights will go out, and you will have committed a sin that's unpardonable. My Spirit shall not always strive with man. God said that back as early as Genesis 6 verse 3, and it would remind us not to play with the things of God. Because there's the danger of a temporary blindness becoming a permanent blindness as we reject the overtures of God's grace. In fact, it's interesting. Look at the end of verse 11. They sought to test him. This is the same Greek word 
that's used of the test that Jesus faced in the wilderness back in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, when Satan tested him, when Satan tempted him. And the overture or the implication seems to be their intent is evil. Their intent is satanic. So we've said this isn't an honest conversation. They're out to get the Lord Jesus. They're not out to find out the truth. They're out to get the Lord Jesus. We've seen this movie before. Many times have we seen these guys in conflict and controversy with Christ. Chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 7. And so Mark's kind of setting us up for that final rejection in Jerusalem when they will bay for his blood and call for his crucifixion. Now, two things as we look at this permanent blindness. Although, back up into this thought, Look at Jesus' reaction. It's rather challenging, isn't it? Verse 12, he sighed deeply in his spirit. The obstinacy of them grieved him. They were doing so little with so much. And he's just been with Gentiles north of Galilee who did so much with so little. The outsiders were becoming insiders. The insiders were becoming outsiders. The Gentiles were closer to Jesus than the Jews. I put a little thing down in my notes to challenge myself. Grieved or peeved? What's your reaction when people reject the gospel? What's your reaction when you see the secular culture mock the things of God? Are you grieved or peeved? Jesus was grieved. We've dealt with this before, so I'm not going to jump into it much deeper. But look at two things here in the text about this permanent blindness of the Pharisees. Number one, the irony. Number two, the indictment. The irony. Look at their request. They disputed with him, seeking from him a sign. My goodness. Verses 1 to 10. We just had a sign. A big sign. A neon lights sign. The feeding of 4,000 people and more. Echoes of Moses in the wilderness, echoes of God's provision of manna over 40 years, reminding us that a greater than Moses is here, reminding us that Jesus is God and can provide in the wilderness. We saw in verse 4 that that feeding took place in the wilderness. So here they have just either heard or witnessed this further evidence of Jesus' deity and divinity. That should be clear. That should be convincing. If you get beyond that miracle, you've had miracles where he has healed the sick, where he has exercised demons, where he has shown authority over nature. I mean, exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C, exhibit D. A great case has been made for Jesus Christ in the Gospels. For two years, he's been in Galilee among the Jewish people, showing them sign after sign, giving them snapshots of the glorious kingdom spoken about in the Old Testament. But here they are, disputing, seeking from him a sign. But what does Jesus say in verse 12 after he sighs? What does this generation seek a sign? No sign will be given. Enough evidence. It's time to decide. And there comes that point, doesn't there, in all of our lives, when we've been prodded by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, 
We've seen the Lord Jesus Christ in transformed lives all around us. We've heard the thundering of His law and His Word preached from pulpits we have set under. And God has spoken into our lives. And we have evidence after evidence that He's calling us to Himself. And you know what? We're going, maybe one more sermon. Maybe one more sign. God, if you do this, enough! It's time to decide. No more sign, says Jesus. Enough evidence. Come back to that a bit more because that leads to the indictment. The irony is they're asking for a sign after a great sign, after many signs. Because you see, none are so blind as those that don't want to see. Because Jesus won't jump through their hoop. This isn't a genuine approach. Their intent is to test him. There's something satanic going on here. They're disputing with him. This isn't an honest conversation. This is insincere. This is provocative. This is in a spirit of unbelief. And Jesus has warned them, hasn't he? If you go back to chapter 3 and verse 22, we read indeed that they had charged him with acting in the name of Beelzebub. And Jesus warns them, no guys. In fact, let's think about this time in the wilderness of the Israelites And God provided for them. And God gave them sign after sign, token after token. Moses spoke to them, but they tested the Lord in the wilderness. Go back to Psalm 95 and verses 7 through 11. And I'll read it for you. Psalm 95 verses 7 through 11. As that time in the wilderness is described. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart, as in rebellion, as in the trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, and they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation. Here we are in Mark chapter 8. Jesus is grieved. Why? Because he's being tested by an unbelieving generation of Jewish leaders who have seen his work and seen the signs again and again and again. And Jesus indicts them. Do you know how we know that? Look at verse 13. And he left them. He just walked out on them. That's a judicial It's not unlike Mark chapter 6 and verse 11 where Jesus tells his disciples as they go into a city and they reject, they're to walk out and shake their sandals as a signal. Hey, if you're rejecting God, be careful. He'll reject you. This is an abrupt sign of judgment. No more games. No more playing with the sacred. No more defining God on your terms. They were saying no to him and he's saying no to them. This is a frightening thought. It's a challenging thing where you have this act of dismissal on the part of Jesus. He closes the door and he throws away the key. And I think there's something to be said here that's a challenge to us. Let's not play with the things of God. We are accountable for the light that's given and what we do with it. Because this kind of stuff still goes on, doesn't it? People still dispute. And people still seek signs from Him. Is there not someone you've talked to recently or someone in the past or within your family? You know what? I'll become a Christian if they've got a hoop they want God to jump through. I'm not going to believe in Him until He heals my sick child. I'm not going to believe in him until he stops all the suffering in this world. And on and on it goes. In fact, as I thought about that, I was reminded of a story I read about Bertrand Russell. 
one of the most famous atheists in the last century. He was 90 years old when a woman encountered him at a party. And she said, Mr. Russell, you are the most famous atheist in the world, and at age 90, you've got to be the oldest. And I would assume some point soon you're going to die, and I've got a question for you. What if the God that you deny exists, exists? What are you going to say to him when you stand face to face to him? Here's what Bertrand Russell replied to her. He said, I will point my finger at God. Wow. And I will say, you, sir, give us insufficient evidence. Really? A little bit more humorously, but serious in its implication. Woody Allen, the disgraced actor and director here in Hollywood, once said that he had believed in God if God would give him an unmistakable sign like making a large deposit in a Swiss bank account in his name. Funny, not really. Because it's, it's what the Pharisees were doing. Bertrand Russell, insufficient evidence. Really? When's the last time you looked up into a sky and saw the glory of the Lord painted all over the firmament? The beauty of the stars, the order of the creation, the vastness of what's around us, your conscience tells you, unless you suppress it, there is a God, there is a creator, there is a designer, and he has written it on the banner of the sky above your head. No evidence? Really? What about the Bible? Mr. Russell, when's the last time you opened the Bible honestly and read it from Genesis to Revelation, not to pick a bone with it, but to read it and let it attest to you that it is God's Word because it is written by 40 authors over 1,500 years on several continents, several languages, but you read from beginning to end, it's one complete story about Jesus Christ. He is coming. He has come. He's coming again. Insufficient evidence, really, sir? What about the nation of Israel? whom Jesus says they will not pass away until the Son of Man has returned. The Hittites are gone. The Jebusites are gone. Ancient civilizations have passed away. You explain to me why the seed of Abraham continues to make headlines today, and I'll tell you, read your Bible. Because God made a promise to the seed of Abraham, and the sun will have to fall from the sky, and the stars will have to stop sparkling before God will not love these people. What about the historicity of Christ? Have you read Luke's account? where he has given proofs of Jesus Christ to Theophilus, a Roman consulate. In fact, it's interesting, Jesus said in Matthew's rendering of the story before us that no sign will be given this generation except the sign of Jonah. Matthew 16, verse 4. Have you seriously investigated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why he has never been found? Why we claim as believers he lives in us and he's transforming us from the inside out? The IRS doesn't mess around. If they want your money, they'll take it. They can take your paycheck and bank accounts too. Even threaten your home or business. And it's about to get worse. The IRS just hired an army of new tax enforcers. So, if you owe back taxes, the smartest thing you can do is call Optima Tax Relief. Optima has access to a special IRS tax assistance program called the Fresh Start initiative and their clients that qualify are saving thousands even tens of thousands one call starts the process to stop the demand letters stop aggressive collection actions and stop that army of new enforcers from targeting you but don't delay it's important to act now while you still have options optima is a rated with the better business bureau optima has already resolved over a half billion dollars of tax debt for their clients get your life back call now for your free consultation call 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-711-5743 800-
800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.